You're listening to Felony Podcast with your host, Dave Dahl, on the Startup Radio Network. The Felony Podcast explores ex-felons that have gone on to launch their own startups. We explore the ups, the downs, the behind-the-bar stories with these founders. Felony Podcast airs every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. My name is Mark Grimes, co-founder of Startup Radio Network. Also with us in the studio, Dave's partner in crime, Lad Justison. And here's a man with a plan, leader of the band, buff and tanned, Dave, the killer bread man, Dahl. Hey, welcome to Felony Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Dahl, and after way too many years in prison, I got out and founded Dave's Killer Bread. We sold the bread biz in 2015, and I'm now working on other projects. Uh, with me in the studio, as usual, is my partner in crime, Lad Jastison. Well, thanks, Dave. Uh, say, why don't you tell our listeners what kind of mischief you've been up to over the last week? Well, I've been put on the spot. You have. Where do I begin? You know, anybody wants to read my calendar, it's like probably like reading our next guest book. Um, I'm I'm usually pretty doggone busy doing something, and I honestly can't remember a lot of it. Uh, why don't you tell us what you remember? Well, you know. Um, We've been working for your, one of your other businesses. Um, finally got a whole bunch of stuff moved around and situated, which was finally a relief. And the big parts of it, yesterday, uh, we were moving these uh, African art birds, and they're from the tribe... Sanufo. 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 And believe it or not, these things are like seven and a half, eight feet, some of them almost nine feet tall, weighing probably two, three, four hundred pounds. Yeah. But we moved like 12, 13, something like that yesterday. Just an amazing It's feeling. a lot worse. It was a lot harder than it sounds. <laughs> it was. <laughs> especially, yeah, especially since none of us really know what we're doing. No, no, just a bunch of old guys trying to lift too much weight. Use your legs. Use your legs. I heard that a few times, and I, I, don't, I just don't listen to that. I mean, so, uh, hey, we're having, in general, we're having a great life, though, aren't we, lad? Dude, I'm telling you, I, I couldn't ask for more. The, the fact that we're still alive today yeah, um, is bad for others, but good for us. And Dave, um, in studio today, we have a special guest with us, and uh, her name is? Brenna. 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 Yeah. It's really nice to be here with you guys. This is amazing. And what do you usually do around here? Are you have you done other things around here, or where did you come from? I'm. I just keep leeching off the creativity that's in this zone. So I just <sighs> show up when when my bucket's empty. Yeah, and, and you know how to run the control board. Uh, we we won't go that far. Oh, but man. but it's something I uh, yeah I'll acquire those skills. Soon. Oh, yeah. you just can pick it up. Yeah. <laughs> Good for me. Yeah, bad for others. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I heard that before. Somewhere. But she's gonna sit in here with us today and kind of listen to what we're doing. So welcome. Well, Thank great. You. It's great to have you. Um, and now you know today we have really an amazing guest. <laughs> I always say that. Wow. But, I mean, wow. But this, this one. Um, has a hell of a history and a lot of it you can access she's got a book um that she's written called what is it called the company she keeps and um it's uh, let's talk a little bit about that she was an actress and a model uh, 
She founded a production company called Performance 2, became a top Hollywood stunt driver for 20 years. And somehow it seems to me the stunt driver thing uh, was influenced by her uh, criminal past, which was a getaway driver. Whoa. Uh, I, I'm just guessing. And uh, she has a compelling and terrifying book called The Company She Keeps. She was also the Kodak girl, immortalized with her life-size image, displayed in more than 80,000 retail stores throughout the world. But you know what, Dave? There's also dark things, very dark things. She suffered from a brutal rape at the hands of her brother-in-law and also had her first brushes with the mob. A madman stalked her and kidnapped her daughter, and her husband was deeply mob-connected. Fortunes were both made and lost, and she had a confrontation with the Prince of Darkness. She met you before, Dave? Oh, yeah. Which ended in a death. Wow. Nice. A show opening unlike any other. Welcome to the Felony Inc. podcast, Georgia Durante. Hello, guys. Hey, how I'm are still you? alive, too. <laughs> yeah. Boy. How we got through it, I don't know. You know, I caught through a few. I, I, I brushed across a couple of, uh, of your past moments, and uh, boy, there were some crazy ones. Um, you almost were killed probably at least once, uh, by a mobster and just a lot of crazy things. Uh, and besides the rape, I mean, wow, where do we begin with you? The stalker, the, the mob, the, you know, I almost died doing a stunt. You know, it was like, um, every, every chapter in my book could actually be a movie in itself. Wow. So why don't we go back to the beginning, you know, where you first got into becoming the Kodak girl? Well, I started modeling when I was 12 years old because I was from Rochester, New York, which was the home of Kodak. By the time I was 17, I was considered the most photographed girl in the country. And um, like you said, the, uh, the, the Kodak girl at 17, it was a life-size cutout of my image in all the drugstores and camera stores all over the world. And I, at that, I used to, at that time it was, um, you had to be 18 to drink in New York, but I was like 16 and I was getting into that. wouldn't have stopped me. I, I, I looked, I looked a lot older, but, uh, when I was still 12, I was in a restaurant and with, with a girlfriend and these two guys, uh, came up to us and started hitting on us very crudely. And this guy comes up, takes these two guys outside and beats the living heck out of them. And it turned out to be the godfather of, of upstate New York. And he just kind of watched me grow up. And um, and when I would get into these bars, he knew I was underage, and he would just nod to the bouncer, let her in, and then he'd watch over me and make sure nobody, you know, hurt me. So... Anyway, when I got raped, um, that's when I realized um, how bad that world was. He called me in and he wanted to have my brother-in-law killed, but I had to, I had to give the okay. And at 17, I held a man's life on the tip of my tongue. All I had to do was say yes, but I couldn't do that. And <clears throat> I graduated from high school, moved to New York City where... Um, I got a job at an after-hour club, and 
I'm well. I, I I only did it because I was I was crazy about the owner of the club. His name was Frankie, and I just set a drink down in front of this guy, and he pulls out a gun and shoots the guy next to him. Everybody scattered. He, Frankie threw me the car keys and he said, "Georgie girl, get the car, pull it up." So I ran down two flights of stairs. I got the car. They got his body downstairs. They threw him in the back seat, and I got him to. Bellevue Hospital in record time, where they just pulled his body out of the car. We left him on the sidewalk, beeped beep the horn, and took off. All they talked about was, man, Georgie girl, can you drive a car? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and and I, I didn't, yeah, while right. I'm doing this, I, 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 I'm in total control. It was after it was over. That's when I started shaking. So... Anyway, they talked about how I drove the car for months, and I ended up going back to Rochester for a weekend to to visit, and I ran into Sammy, who was the godfather of upstate New York. He says, Georgie girl, you got to do me a, you got to do me a favor. He, she, he says, you, and I said, what, Sammy? I said, you know, you've done everything for me. What do you want me to do? He said, uh, I need you to deliver a message for me. He said, if anybody finds out about this, they're going to find my body in the Genesee River. He said, I can't trust anybody. And I said, sure, I'll do that. So he comes the next day, gives me a sealed envelope. I get back on the plane. I'm picked up by a black limousine, and I'm driven into Brooklyn. I'm escorted into this back room, and there's four guys sitting there, and I'm introduced as Georgie Girl. One of the guys raised his eyebrow like he had recognized my name which he had because he had heard about how I drove the car that night. So I hand him the envelope, and he opens it, and he looks at me, and he says, you tell Mr. Gingello he's going to have to meet with me in person. And I said, hey, I'm just a messenger. I have no idea what's in that message. So anyway, I'm being escorted out of the restaurant, and the guy says to me, now, mind you, I'm 17. He says, "Um, the old man really liked you. And I said, which old man? They were all old. <laughs> <laughs> and it turned out to be Carlo Gambino. Oh, so wow. their thought process was probably, I look like the girl next door. They knew I could drive. And if Sammy could trust me with a message like that, which I still don't know what was in it, um, I was the perfect person for them to use. And at that point in my life, I would have I would have joined a posse going in any direction as long as there was danger and excitement, you know. Mm-hmm. So they started using me uh, to deliver messages first, and you know, and then pick up packages, and 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 I would deliver these packages to these two guys in suits at JFK Airport, which I later found out there were millions of dollars in these packages, and I was delivering the money to the CIA, who was then laundering the money for the mob in foreign countries. Wow. So what year so is this? Getting... Pardon? What this year? is like 19, 1968. Okay. Man, so, this, is like, this is like listening to one of those books, you know, you can just listen to a story, you know, like a, like <laughs> a mob crime, story, true, true crime, books. crime books. Keep going. <laughs> well, then it kind of progressed to what they called pickups. They're still not telling me what's going on. They're not telling me what what I'm delivering in these packages. Um, I would just like wait around the corner for these guys, and uh, I thought what they were doing was, you know, breaking legs or doing whatever they do to collect the vig. One day they came out with their guns out, 
come running towards the car, flung open the doors, jumped in and said, step on it. And then I heard the sirens in the background and I got away. Uh, and that was maybe the worst thing I could have done because then they wanted to use me all the time. And, and you don't say no to these guys easily. Yeah. And you so, were, oh, go ahead. You were, but you were really, um, at this point deep into it and your age, how old were you at this point? 17. Oh, you're still 17. Okay, lots happens yeah. and you're 17. Okay, go ahead. So, I ended up uh, I ended up marrying a guy in the mob in, in Rochester. And a mob war had broken out there. And they were killing anybody who knew anything. So, we ended up coming to California and hiding. And I couldn't tell anybody where I was, and you know, I, I had uh, I had a seven-year-old daughter at this point, and you know, I'd go to the pool with her, and people just want to know, you know, where are you from? What do you do? And and I would always have to like sit far away from everybody so I didn't get into any conversations. And I looked at my daughter who was playing in the pool with two little girls, and their their father came and jumped in the pool with them, and he started playing with his kids, and they kind of left her out. And she was just sitting on the edge of the pool, looking at them like, gee, won't you play with me too? And it just broke my heart. My husband was very uh, abusive, and he was like a rat in a corner now. And uh, I mean, he, he put a gun to my head with one bullet in it and pulled the trigger twice, held me out of a two-story building by my ankles because I wanted to leave. Um, at this time, you know, whenever he would get violent, I would, if I, if I was lucky enough to get out with my purse, we would go to the theater and just watch the same movie over and over again until he calmed down, or I'd spend the night on the beach shivering with my daughter. Well, when this happened, I just, I just got up, I took her by the hand, went back to the condo, grabbed what I could, threw it in the car, and, and I left, and I, I, thank God I went north instead of south or I would have ended up in Tijuana. I had no idea where I was. And I looked at the, I looked at the gas tank. I had a half a, half a tank of gas, but I only had $7 in my pocket. And through the smog, I could see the Hollywood sign, so I kind of knew where I was. But I, I, I didn't know anybody and, and I didn't know, I had $7. So I, I would steal food for my daughter and we lived in the car and I finally found a, a guy that I used to, um, I used to model with in New York. And uh, he had a little studio apartment in Brentwood and he let us stay there until I could figure out what I was going to do. So <clears throat> while I'm there, I'm watching TV every day and it seemed like every time there was a commercial, it was a car commercial. Then I started to realize that you could never see the driver. I said, that's perfect. I could do that. I couldn't model because they would. the mob was after me. My husband was after me. Um, so I couldn't really do that. But when I saw that you could never see the driver, I knew I could drive. But we're going back to the early 70s when, you know, they were putting wigs on guys and women just weren't doing that kind of thing. So my friend, who was an actor, he he knew where they were shooting commercials, so he would let me know, and I would go down to the location and 
bug these directors, and they just sort of looked at me like, yeah, uh-huh, sure, she can drive. <laughs> but I couldn't tell them what was on my resume, right? <laughs> so anyway, I just didn't take no for an answer, and I kept kept showing up. And this one director said, okay, he said, uh, I'm going to give you a shot. He said, you show up on Tuesday. We'll see what you can do. So I showed up on Tuesday and showed him what I could do. And <laughs> he told the next guy and the next guy. And before I knew it, I was turning down work. I was only one person. I couldn't do it all. And there was a real need for women, women drivers. So anyway, I just said, God, if I could just clone myself, I could be a millionaire. Well, uh, it took a while, but everybody was killed off that cared whether I was dead or alive. And I came out and formed my company, which I called Performance 2. I got 16 stunt drivers. And I got women. There was such a need for women. I got, I found race car drivers, women race car drivers, but I had to bring men in as well because there was a lot more work for men. And, uh, trained them in precision and came out of the, the gate with people like Bobby Unser Jr., Dar Robinson, and the company took off. We did all the car commercials that you see on the air. We did sort of like what the Blue Angels do in the air, we did on the ground. And so this, this is like the mid-70s? Yeah, well, no, this is, uh, this is like more, uh, like 78, later. 80. Yeah, later. Yeah. Okay. I'm, yeah trying to, so, I'm trying to keep the time uh, in my yeah, head. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Lots going on. Well, I had, a, I had a stunt gone wrong. I was doing a Bugle Boy jeans commercial, and... Uh, I did a, uh, I, ha I was driving this vintage Dino Ferrari, and I had to do a 180 on a narrow mountain road, and the back tire caught the soft shoulder, flipped the car over an embankment, and it, I was somersawing to a 300-foot drop-off into the ocean. And all I thought about was, oh, my God, I'm wrecking a $250,000 car. No, your which life is didn't flash. about a million-dollar car now. <laughs> so your life didn't flash before your eyes, but uh, no, and I just thought, God, yeah. as, I, was, I was okay, but, you know, they took me to the hospital anyway, and I'm laying in the ambulance, and I'm thinking, why was the car important? Why wasn't my life important? Why didn't I think about my kids? And, you know, so when I got back, when I got back to um, L.A., I made an appointment with a therapist, and the therapist suggested that I get a journal and write in it for 20 minutes a day, whatever came into my head. So I started doing that, and I had never analyzed my life before. And all the stuff that was coming out on paper was like, wow, that's why I did this, or that's why I do that, you know. And then I started adding dialogue to it. And... I had about 40 pages of this really raw journal, but it, it looked like it was turning into a book, but I didn't think I could write. Oh, hey, Sydney Sheldon. Hold up, hold <laughs> up right Sheldon. there for one second, okay, okay Georgia? Okay. I got to let Lad run his neck for a minute. Well, we got to we got to thank our sponsors. So, guess what? CPA okay. dudes were accounting is never boring. The price is not based on time. Instead, customers decide what to pay them. Wouldn't that be cool, Dave, if you just decide what to pay anybody? Yeah, that's what I do with you. I know. They don't charge you for sending invoices, phone calls, emails, texts, or meetings. They just get the damn job done. Find them at cpadudes.com slash startup radio.
Okay, so uh, Georgia was telling us that she's kind of getting some material together here. It sounds like that uh, maybe qualify qualifies for a book. So um, where are we here? Okay. All right. So, well, you know, now I'm like in Hollywood. Nobody knows my background. Nobody knows anything. All they know me as a, as a female stunt driver. And uh, so... I called Sydney Sheldon. I said, Sydney, now my friends are, are celebrities. They're advertising people, you know, so far removed from the mob. So I said, Sydney, I think I'm writing a book, but I, I don't know how to write. I said, can you suggest a, go- a ghostwriter? He says, well, send me what you got. So I sent him the 40 pages that I had. He calls me back three days later. And he says, Georgia, you don't need a ghostwriter. He said, you know how to tell a story. And you have a story to tell. He said, but what, what I would do, he said, I'd go back to the beginning, go back to when you're a child, let, let the, le- the, the readers get to know you and love you, so when you get to these parts, they'll forgive you. <laughs> <laughs> Good thinking. Just like Dave. <laughs> and so, anyway, I finished the book, and uh, it took about three and a half years. I wrote the whole thing on location between takes. And uh, how long did it take? Three years. It took about three and a half years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I can see that. Yeah. Uh, so you're working away, you're working hard, and doing this, right? Well, you know when when they're changing the lights, and you know, you know, there's a lot of time sitting in the car just waiting for them to do their thing, and I would have my little. Uh, notebook with me and I would be writing thoughts down and then at night I would transfer it all to the computer which was almost like a rewrite and uh, that's the way I did it there was no time I was like I was always working I was always on location so this was before uh, uh, this was before smartphones and things and iPads stuff like that um, no no we did have computers but remember we had the floppy disk then you know right but you didn't have we didn't have the smartphones yet right no, like no. we do now, because those I found uh, that's where I keep all my notes, and then I they're, then they're kind of everywhere. But back then you didn't have this, um, we didn't right. have this option, so you were writing, and then you had to transfer. How did you transfer your notes? Well, then I just transferred it into the computer. So you would type them again, or then I would type it. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm just trying to cause it, peck. I I wrote the whole book pecking. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't know how to type, but I got it done. Yeah, well. And you know, it's funny. It's the very first publisher who saw it bought it within twenty three hours. Wow! And so and it came out six months later. It was like it, there was no time, no time to get it to the uh, reviewers to review it. It just came out, and then when it came out, we we launched it in Rochester, which you know was my hometown. So that's where we. We started uh, the book tour. There were 600 people there, and it was at Barnes and Nobles on the second floor. And people were like four abreast, all the way down the stairs, out the door, and around the building. Wow. And nobody knew what was in it. Everybody was like, "Okay, what did she, what did she say?" You know. <sighs> so. Um, Are we in there? Yeah. yeah. And I do, had done do we a have radio to kill show. This lady? Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know what? When I talk about murders in my book, I don't talk about who did it. I talk about That's what led up to it, what the background was, but I never blew anybody in. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's great. You know, I, I was curious. Um, so you're driving at 17 years old. You do this little drive getaway thing. Where did you learn how to drive like that? You know, because I was I was this adventurous kid. My father was a golf pro, and he he used to have all these electric carts that he used to rent out. Well, I would call my friends at three o'clock in the morning. I learned how to hotwire them because he'd hide the keys. And we would have drag races down the fairways, <laughs> and we'd end up on the greens. And oh my God, my father had such backbreaking work. You know, he he wants he wants ten percent of all my action because he paid so dearly for my education. <laughs> but then there was like um, guys that I used to hang out with, and they were building cars and they were racing cars, and I would hand them their tools and go to the races and. Uh, and then finally one day they, they let me race and I ended up winning the first race hmm. by a long shot, you know, and, uh, and then I was on the roster every week to do that. I just had this love for speed and cars and, and boys at that time. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Well, and my father, he was, boys. he was training me for the women's tour. I got two holes in one before I was 12 years old, but as soon as I learned about boys, that was all over with. <laughs> Good times. All right. So, uh, what now? The book was was written and came out when? The book came out in '98. Okay. And then Peg, Penguin Publishing bought it about eight years ago for the mass market rights, and they're already into their ninth printing. Wow! Fantastic. It's, it's oh, and it, it's it's just been optioned for a movie as well. I would think yeah. so, for sure. Man, yeah, huh? so they're... I'd watch it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And lad, you know, do you ever watch anything? It, actually, if it's not, like, really dumbed down, I don't think lad could follow it. But. Well, it has to be something about cars. Yeah, so that's right. I lad love does love cars. Yeah, I was just on Jay Leno's show, um... I think it was called, the show was called Getting Away. <laughs> that was cute. Yeah, Jay's coming but to town here shortly. Where Where are you guys? We're in Portland, PDX. Okay. Portland, you ever been to Portland? Yes, I've been all over the country working with uh, with car commercials everywhere. Oh, I everywhere. bet. Yeah. Well, you know, Dave, you might want to explain to our listeners um, why we have Georgia on here today. We usually have guys and and, uh, and girls that have been in prison, have some type of felony record, and have started their own successful business. Um, but we are very fortunate to get you on here today, Georgia. But maybe Dave can explain why, you know, because of your background, uh, why we decided to have you on here. Okay. Well, well uh, we this is someone who has, you know, found their way out of of the old life, the life that uh, obviously wasn't, she's fortunate to have found a way out of, uh, but this kind of life doesn't usually end well. And um, seems to me that the things that you did in your past, you were fortunate, first of all, not to go do time, um, and you're fortunate not to be, you know, to still be around. Um, and you must have figured out some really important principles. You must have discovered some really important things to get to where you're at today. Well, you know, you, you know, you think differently when you're 17. 
know? Yeah. And at some point you grow up. Life's backwards. But, um, I, I have been in prison, but but only to speak to uh, <sighs> women women in, in prisons about That's a good way to go. And, uh, you know, helping a lot of people. And because there were so many abusive um, aspects to my book, what happened was after it came out, I had women emailing me and calling me and, you know, how do you do this and how did you do it? And, um, and I, it just put me on another path. And I started uh, speaking in prisons and, and women in shelters and kids on drugs and, uh, you know, helping people. So I really felt like even though, you know, I, I had done a lot of bad things in my life, I had turned everything around and now my words were helping people. So I think that's what God had in mind for me. Well, I think that's when, you know, all your life you hear about giving back, you know, and until you have something to give back, you don't get that. Um, it's like all my life, I'm like, how can I give anybody anything? I, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, I need to take everywhere I can. Um, and uh, all that did was get me in trouble. But you discovered that you had something to get back, that you had a story that was worth telling. And I think you, uh, it sounds to me like you've made a difference out there. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I had, a, I had a couple of stunts go wrong, and it, finally I had to retire because the uh, doctor said if I continued, I'd be in a wheelchair. So um, I adopted a baby, and now what I do is... Um, I um, I rent my home for for weddings and events, and uh, I have a, a guest house that I rent for vacation people, and I do filming here. In fact, they just shot the, a Charles Manson movie here. Um, but you know, it's it yeah, I could play, years. play that part. Yeah, I could Pardon? I could play Charlie Manson if you need a. <laughs> yeah, no, they it, it so the house is always busy. My daughter is now twelve, and. Uh, you know, it's a whole different life. It's a whole different life. So you're not but I'm doing around it. happy people all the time. You know, people getting married. There's always it's always happiness. Great. So it's it's all. So you're just surrounded by by positivity now. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's great. Well, so am I, except for land. Um, <laughs> it's always that, except for land. <laughs> yeah. So we we work with what we got, and uh, you know. I'm thinking you're not doing any stunt driving anymore, more racing cars, honestly. Uh, no, just for TV, different TV shows, like, you know, the Jay Leno show, I, I did some driving on that, just, you know. But um, for work-wise, I don't, I don't do it anymore. I still have the company. People, um, you know, call for drivers, and I send people out on different jobs, but I'm not physically working myself. And the book has been wildly successful, right? Yeah, you know, I mean, I, re I really don't have a whole lot of time. I'm working with the screenwriter now and um, trying to get this off the ground, looking at different uh, actresses. And I said, I said, okay, how I really want to end my career, I want to double the woman who doubles for me. Nice. <laughs> you know, Georgia... So that will be my... my I'm sorry. I, I was wondering, um, can you go back just a little bit? Just, you know, a little earlier, we were talking about you going in and speaking to the women and stuff. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about those programs that you're uh, being a part of? 
Yeah, I actually, all right, Twin Towers here in Los Angeles, um, first time I went there, I, I actually got there 45 minutes early, but it took so long to process me in that um, I was late, and they had about 60 women, you know, had no idea what I was going to be talking about, but they just wanted to get out of their cells for a while, mm-hmm. and uh, so when I got in, you know, they had been waiting for, you know, a half hour. 45 minutes and uh, they were like pushing each other spitting on each other you know the chewing gum and just like their, their feet up in the chair in front of them and they get to chew gum. The dome. <laughs> I said oh man I said man this is going to be a tough crowd right so the, the first thing I said to him is um, I gotta let you gals in on a little secret I said getting Getting in here is a lot tougher than getting out. <laughs> and they started laughing, so I broke the ice. And I, the first question I asked was, how many women in here have been physically abused, sexually abused, mentally abused? Every single one of them raised their hand, which told me the reason why they're there is because they had no self-esteem. They start hanging around with people who they think are their equal, and those are the people that end up in jail. By the time I got out of there and finished my speech, they were come, they were hugging each other. They were crying. They came up to me and said, please come back. Nobody understands us. So when I, got, when I, when I left there, I mean, I had chills, and um, I called Sheriff Botka, who, who was the one that got me in there to begin with, and who's actually in jail right now <laughs> um, wow. but <laughs> and I just said you know you got you got to put together some kind of a program that when these girls get out that you can help them get back on their feet you know help them you know to dress you know to, to you know what to do to get a job and um, build up their self-esteem or they're going to be right back in prison and uh you know, I, it never really happened. It never got off the ground. But um, I would well, get a lot of calls from from these women who did get out, who were calling me. And you know, I mean, it's like I'm only one person. I can do. I can only do so much. But I have, I have doctors, you know, and dentists that will do plastic surgery. Will help them with their teeth. I could do all that, but I'm only one person. You know. Yeah, and, and you know, in the early days of Dave's Killer Bread, I, I put my story on the back of the bag. I, um, I, you know, I had my phone number and my email address on there uh, because nobody knew who the hell I was, so it didn't hurt. I mean, I, was, I wanted all the feedback I could get about my bread. I didn't realize my story was going to be as important as it was and so in those early days yeah i mean i've had an amazing uh, experience with with this but and that was 2005 that that started um yeah i was out i just i did 15 years in prison and and when i got out that year i kind of hit the ground running i was 43 years old and ready to rock you know um so i so i put that you know Taking, taking the negative and turning it into a positive yeah, it, it was. It was the same. The same thing that makes you laugh can make you cry, and vice versa. Um, you can learn. You can learn how to turn anything around. It's you know. It, it depends on who you, on whether you learn how to do it or not. And uh, for me, the 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 springboard was humility, 
and giving up and surrendering. I needed to surrender. I had the same sort of problems that the girls that you talk about had. I had very low self-esteem. I I got in with people that I thought were my equal, but, uh, you know... And, so you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, yeah, I do. And see what... I, what happened because I experienced that and I experienced a transformation where I waved the white flag basically and said, look, I need some help. And I was in prison when I did this. And mind you, in prison, you don't raise your hand and tell on yourself. But I did it because I stopped caring what anybody thought. And I stopped wanting to be a gangster because that wasn't working out. Four trips in prison, I wasn't going to be uh, uh Carlo Gambino, Gambino, is that his name? Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't going to be that guy. So uh, I stopped looking up at those guys and started looking up at uh, something that was much bigger than me. And uh, so anyway, I got out and made the bread, and I had the good fortune of, uh, of having people, well, people really appreciated the story. So they started doing the same thing, asking me, oh, can you help my son? Can you help my daughter? Can you help this person or that person? I was too busy working. <laughs> you know, I was making, I was working like 70, 80 hours a week a lot of the time uh, because I'm, a, I'm an entrepreneur and I had to get the work done. Uh, well, I know that was the hardest thing for me too, because I was I was getting so many emails every day, and I and I felt if I didn't answer those emails, that maybe they would kill themselves, or yeah. you know, I felt responsible. So it was just taking up so much of my time that I couldn't mm -hmm. really do it all, you know. Well, then you um, know that's that's cool, but what hap what happens though is that if you try to do it, you really are going to have a lot of failures. <laughs> um, you know, the thing is, you, you, what you can do, what I believe people can do is be a great example and show and maybe help show people how they've done it, how they've turned their lives around. And, uh, you know, just actually going and doing and, and hanging out with a person is probably a little too much. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had I have a, a couple of stories where my book has saved uh two people, one from killing herself and the other from um, being murdered. I had a driver that he lived in Colorado and he was working in um, Ohio and he met this girl. So when he went back to Colorado, they were like talking on the phone. And so he's, he's, he's reading my book. He gets, he just gets to the part in my book where I had a brother-in-law that, um, killed his wife he killed all four of his children and then he killed himself and i remember standing in that cemetery surrounded by six caskets knowing how close i was to dying that same death with with an abusive husband and uh he's just at that part and and the girl calls him and they're talking and um all of a sudden there's this banging on the door and she said oh my god that's my husband i'll call you back so he waits about 10 minutes, and he had just read this part of my book, so he was a little nervous. So he, he calls her, no answer. Waits another 10 minutes, calls her again, no answer. So he got scared, and he, he called the police department in her area and reported it and still didn't hear anything all night long. And the next morning, he gets a phone call from the police, and he said, um, they said, are you the one who called us last night and he says, yes, what happened? And he said, well, he said, we just wanted you to know that you saved that woman's life. 
He said mm. uh, when we when we got there, he was stabbing her. We broke down the door, and she's in the hospital, but she's going to live. And you know, we have him in custody. Wow. And he said, so you saved her life. And he says, I didn't save her life because mm. the company she keeps saved her life because uh, he would have never made that call if he had not read that part. There of my you book. go. Yeah, you didn't. You didn't, but you inspired him, and that's pretty doggone cool. Uh, pork bun domains, websites, and internet commerce for the rest of us. Don't be a goddamn pig. Pork bun, where you can get website domain names for your business or personal brand with the lowest prices and amazing free services. Yeah, everyone's heard of .com, .net, or .org, but did you know you can get a domain name that matches what your startup does? If you are a design entrepreneur... You can get a dot .design domain name. I'm getting better at that, right? Yeah, pretty good. Use your imagination and contact them at porkbun.com slash startup radio. Thanks, lad, dot dumb motherfucker. <laughs> um, okay, yeah, we can say that on here. Um, back to Georgia, our guest. Uh, continue where, where you were. Did, were you. did you get a chance to finish your thought there? Well, all right, so the the other one that I know of, I'm sure it saved a lot more people than this, but um, I got an email from um, this gal who I had, I had done a radio show like I'm doing right now, and they had my book laying around there. She took it home, and she sent me an email, and she said, uh, she said, if, if I had not read your book, I wouldn't be here to be writing you today. She said, I was going to kill myself this weekend, she says, and I read your book and realized that if you could do it, I could do it. And then she and then she signed her name with a small N. And I emailed her back and I said, the first thing you have to do, honey, is capitalize your name you know? <laughs> and get some self-esteem. But um, so, you know, I mean, it's, it just gives me chills when I, when I think about the people that I don't even know about that it's helped, you know? Oh, yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, people, you know, our lives are exponential. Uh, the the uh, influence that you have has a ripple effect. And sometimes it's direct. Uh, you have direct impact, and sometimes the impact is more... Um, you know, repeated or like the ripple effect, as I said. Uh, I I remember in the early days of, of my reaching out and trying telling my story, people, you know, I, I was like, okay, this is great. People are noticing this. They say they're inspired by it. But when will I know if it's actually making a difference and not just a bunch of lip right. service? Well, I started getting... Well, I think... Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I, I was just saying, I think God has a plan for all of us, and, and I think we ha- have to go down a dark road um, to to be able to see the light and to show the other people that it's possible. Yeah, and isn't that, that's what we have. We have a gift that we can share with people. Um, and, you know, in my case, it's, I, I was, I kind of entered criminality through a different door than you did. Um, I was, I was like those girls, like you said, I guess, with low self-esteem and, and all that and just drugs, you know, drugs made me feel better and, uh, you know, I had to follow the path that the drugs took me on. Um, so the result for me is I got to stay off drugs, including alcohol. And, um, I, 
the root of all evil. It is for it is for me apparently. <laughs> um, it is for a lot of people. Yeah, you know, and I, I can't judge everyone. You know, people do their own thing, but um, it just hasn't worked out for me. So I got to stay away from that stuff. And um, you know, to me, to me, what it is that makes a difference is when people finally start realizing that they make their life. They choose how their life is going to be, and they design their life going forward. Um, instead but of blaming they need others. positive people around them to be able, people that, that are going to pat you on the back for your good qualities, you know, instead of knock you down all the time. You know, that that's the key, I believe, you know, and it, you have to believe in yourself before anybody else is going to believe in you. Well, that's, that is true. And I remember much of my life after I did figure out that I was the captain of my own ship, mm -hmm. um, I still had to deal with the naysayers and haters. And I still do to this day. Um, you have to be, you have to have a strong conviction that you are on, you know, you're doing the right thing. You know, Georgia, well, um, um, there's, at Dave's Kill of Bread, it was kind of cool because I got to witness this, but, you know, when Dave had his transformation and he uh, was able to turn his life around, um, he started the bakery, and eventually, uh, before Dave sold it, there was 250 or more employees there. 300. 300 employees. Wow. But wow. also, something significant is... Now there's is, way more across country. Yes, very much more. But something that was significant was that Dave uh, would give ex-felons a chance um, to work at the bakery. And at one point, uh, what was the percentage, Dave, of... Uh, about a third. About a third of the employees. Still is, still is I think. And, uh, yeah. So my question to you, George, is uh, have you ever had one of these, uh, you know, an experience where that you could tell us that you actually knew of somebody who might have had a past that you gave them a chance? Uh, yeah, I actually, I had a couple of drivers that, uh, well, didn't have a, what well, like Bobby Unser Jr. for, for one. Okay, he he was a, a a drug addict, and it was terrifying sending him out on a job because, you know, I mean, you know, you got people's lives in your hands, you know. But I got him to turn his life around. He is now um, a born again Christian, and he's doing great. I mean, I I love the guy, I really do. We've seen a lot of success but, stories. We, we've seen a lot of, of great success stories, and uh, it's powerful. When you lose, when, and I've said this so many times, when you lose that bad guy or gal, and that person turns their lives around and starts making a difference the other direction, it's exponential in that no, it's like a two-person swing. You no longer have that negative drag on society and now you have this positive thing going on and you know just think of the difference that someone like you uh, georgia and, and others can make you're doing it with your book and uh things like that um but one person can do so much that's very true that's very true and they can that's do very it true. yeah they can do it uh you can do it without uh you can you can be the the voice of many people and uh and influence a lot of change and growth i'm currently struggling 
locally, uh, our population here, the, the ones that are re-entering from prison, uh, are having a hard time getting, it's not so much getting jobs, there seems to be plenty of jobs out there, but they can't seem to find a place to live. And so that's my, that's sort of something that I'm working on right now, uh, with local charities, local, um, go-getters here. My goal is to provide a lot more beds for these folks. Now, that's just the basic, you're like, uh, the basic needs they have. I mean, just to, just to get by, uh, to, you know, that's without providing the inspiration of someone like you and all that, but just, um, some people just need the the real, real basics uh, to start start with. Yeah, yeah. I have I have a friend who's a priest, and he is uh, he's the coupon king. <laughs> he has 150 LA Times delivered to to him every Sunday, and then he has these kids from the church cutting out the coupons. And every night he goes he goes to the uh, stores. And he spends a thousand dollars. This is every night. And what he actually comes out of pocket is like six dollars, nine dollars, and sometimes he gets money back. I'm one of his distributors. At four o'clock in the morning, he's got the, he's got the code to my garage. I wake up, it's like Christmas in there. And then I'm one of his distributors, so I have all these different charities that that I distribute all the stuff to. And people will say, God, he, he's like those, those, those guys on TV. And his answer to them is, they're amateurs. <laughs> but he calls me and he says, is it okay if I come over this afternoon and make a drop? And I said, Father, my phone might be tapped. You gotta, <laughs> you gotta be careful how you talk. <laughs> uh, he's great. Great. So those are the kinds of things that we do now, you know, and I, I, we're giving back, and I think that's great. Are you, uh, I wasn't able to find this out. I know you've been married three times. Am I right? Yep, three times. Are you three, cur- I always said three strikes and you're out. I haven't <sighs> been married now since 1983. Oh, man, that's smart. You are you're getting wiser every day, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. so what, what does it look like for you? First of all, the next 24 hours, um, say that the next 24 hours is a typical day for you. Um, and then if you want to expand on that, uh, what, how, what does your life look like now? And start with the, uh, with the next 24 hours, if you could. The next 24 hours, well, at two o'clock I have people checking in and, uh, so I got to get the place ready for them. And, and, and my house is like, I went from living in my car to a 5,000 square foot house. Sweet. I didn't do it overnight. It took 25 years, but um, now it's, it's paying me back and it's allowed me to be a stay-at-home mom and still have a nice income. But the whole, the, my whole life is, is really this house. I mean, there's people here every day, something breaking down. It's the, the plumber, the electrician, the gardeners, the, you know, it's just something going on every single day. So that kind of is my life. Right, okay. And so do you have any, uh, I know you're, you're working on a movie, right? Yeah, well, yeah, I'm doing that, you know, working with the, um, with the screenwriter right now. I mean, there's, there's a lot, like I said, there's, 
every chapter in my book could be a movie in itself, and we have to figure out how to cut it down and you know get to the core of the story, which is not about the mob. It's 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 about a, a woman who you know goes through all this stuff and then comes out the other end um, where you can smile about it, you know. Yeah, I mean, certainly you don't want to glorify the mob, right? That's well, there's a lot of mob stuff in the book, which makes it interesting for people, but it's not the core of the story, you know? So, George, um, do you have any ideas who might uh, play you on the big screen? Well, they're talking about uh, Margot Robbie and Jennifer Lawrence. But well, Dave got looked, others, too. Dave looks pretty good in a dress. He might be able to play you. Not so much. Not <laughs> the, the, so guy, much. the woman, the woman who's doing this, she was the CEO of Disney production for twenty years, and she just um, she just quit to form her own production company, which is still on the Disney lot. And uh, it, the movie was pitched to five different production companies, and all of them wanted it. They were fighting over it, and one of them was. There was a, another gentleman who who wanted it really bad, so they've decided to go in and partners on it. But this woman knows everybody. She she's worked with all the actresses, all the top directors, and she just has to pick up the phone. So as soon as that screenplay is done, then you know that's when we go after everybody. So are are you deeply involved in the in the creation of the screenplay? Yeah, yeah. And the challenges, I can I can just guess there's lots of challenges. Too, telling your story in a movie form as opposed to a book, you're, it's a different medium that is visual, and it's, it's uh, audio-visual. Visual. And uh, so you're, you, you can't just, people aren't going to be able to read the story. How do, you, how do you get that story out to people and make it, uh, you know, with dialogue and... Uh, well, that's seems... what we're working on. <laughs> yeah, that's it's, hard, isn't it's it? A, it's a difficult process. In fact, you know, really what this should be, it should be a series because uh, there's so much there. You have to, in most movies, it's like, you know, what are you going to uh, put in to make it more exciting? It's this, with this book, it's like, what are you going to take out? You know, because there's so much there. If you had to put, um, say a vision and mission to the movie. What what would you say um, you want to to get out of uh, people to get out of this movie to take home? Well, I want I want people. Well, just like we've been talking about, to realize that you can come out the other end and uh, you know be successful, change your life, and. Uh, you know, I, I want people to walk out feeling good, you know, like, yeah. wow, she did it, you know? Yeah, too many too many things are, are, they focus on the bad. And obviously, there's been some bad times, but they only need to be uh, pointed out as uh, to, to get perspective on the change, transformation. That's the way I look at it. Uh, Lad, what do you got? Well, you they know, should make a movie about your life. Well, you know, my life is does, my life is not as uh, crazy as yours, believe it or not. Yes, it is. <laughs> believe well, it, in it, its it own is. different it's, way. It's inspirational. It is you know? inspirational, I mean, but uh, you know, I'm not. I'm in no hurry to do it. That's for sure. 
Yeah, I, I think if you do do it, I could be like a bit character in there somewhere. <laughs> somewhere. Yeah, I could play my victim. One of my victims. There you go. That's right. I think he already does. Yeah. <laughs> I've been playing that role forever. Oh, my God. Well, hey, uh, thank you for joining us this week on the Felony Inc. podcast with me, Dave Dahl. And uh, I really want to thank our special guest, Georgia Durante. Did I say that right, Georgia? Georgia Durante? Georgia Durante, like Jimmy. She yep. like Jimmy, are you not? Probably a... A not lot married. of people won't remember Jimmy. Well, you're not, <laughs> I do. You're not related to him, right? Is that your real name? <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I got married three times and never changed it. Okay. Well, join us. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Join us this and every week live at 10 a.m. Pacific time at StartupRadioNetwork.com. If you don't join us live, we may visit your life. <laughs> We may visit your house late at night when you're least expecting it and make you listen. Breaking and entering well, lad's ass. This will can be I add something to this? Listening. Sure. You sure can. I, I just want to let, if there's any women listening to this that feel that uh, my book can help them, um, they can go to my website, which is the name of the book, thecompanysheekeeps.com, and I will sign a copy to them personally and... If they need help, um, I'm here for them. Well, that's great. Now we didn't, we really didn't get to plugging uh, Georgia like we should have, um, and the things that she's up to. So that's because I never stopped talking. <laughs> uh, we enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, we, we totally enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. I uh, okay. So there's that, and if you, you know, I just Google this lady, Georgia Durante, and you're going to find a lot of stuff, but. You definitely want people to get to um, the company SheKeeps.com. Is that right? Yep. Okay, yep. lad. Well, thank you so much, Georgia, for joining us. And coming up after the break is a Latino Founder Hour with your host, Edgar Navis and Claudia Cardenas. Their podcast is usually in Spanish, so que paso. That's enough out of you, lad. That's enough. Thanks, guys. Thank, Thank you. you. Keep up the good work. You keep it going. <laughs> hey, I'm going to watch yeah. you. I'll be watching. Take care. Okay. Bye. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen, learn, launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.